Hey everyone, this is Holly Stowell, your host of Security Management Highlights. We want to thank you for tuning in to this bonus episode and be on the lookout each month for bonus features to the podcast. Emotional intelligence is a widely used term, but what exactly is it and how can it be an asset for managers and employees alike? Senior editor Mark Tarallo joins us to talk about his September feature story, Harnessing the Power of Emotions. So let's begin by talking about what led you to write on this topic, Mark. How did you choose emotional intelligence and sort of what were the factors surrounding this idea? Well, I've been covering management leadership for a long time now, and emotional intelligence has become kind of a buzzword in management and leadership circles. A lot of people mention it in different contexts, so it made me really curious to kind of investigate it further to see what the roots were, what the origins were, what exactly was it. It was something that really interested me, so I figured it would make a good uh, story. And let's just take an aside real quick about your managing stories. What do you think sort of the goal is of, of that column? It's in the magazine. If people are just curious about its value and should they pay attention to it, what, what would you tell them? Sure. I think it could be potentially of interest to both managers, security managers, and aspiring managers too. We cover a broad array of management topics and people who are managers can benchmark and check out what they're doing versus what some other people are doing and, and saying about management management, and also aspiring managers, what they might need to learn to prepare themselves for a potential management job. So what is emotional intelligence? I hear that word a lot, but especially in the managing world, what, what is it? Where did it come from? Well, according to the psychologists who formulated the concept, emotional intelligence, it's the ability to monitor and discriminate one's own and others' emotions and to use this information to guide one's thinking, actions, and interactions with them. So if someone has high emotional intelligence, which is often abbreviated EQ, a high EQ person has really a form of high social intelligence, which can be a real big asset because it can help a person negotiate the kind of quirks and political nuances and personal relationships in a work culture. And why would that be valuable in the workplace? I mean, aren't managers perfect already? Right. Almost. And all their employees are perfect too? <laughs> almost, almost. It's really valuable for the reason simply that managers and people are human and humans have emotions. So beyond the rules people have to follow, the tasks people have, any person, whatever your job is, besides all that, there's all this human interaction and people's emotions play into those interactions in many different ways. So emotional intelligence you can think of as someone who's very adept. Some people call it people skills. So I I think that can be a good shorthand, but it can also be good at almost situational skills. Anytime humans are interacting, emotional intelligence can come into play. And in the article, it's neat that you talk about the origins of EQ and the two psychologists who developed it. Tell us more about them. How did this all start? Yeah, very interesting uh, origins where these two academics basically had studied things like human emotions, and they weren't sure how that would fit in with human intelligence. To use a shorthand, they kind of thought of emotions and intelligence as really separate things. And so they had the idea 
to see if there's interaction. And the main example they give to explain this is if you're in an office and you're thinking about a problem and you're kind of stuck, over lunchtime, you decide to take a walk in the park. And when you're in the park, the beautiful setting of the park, being out in nature, starts to invoke positive emotions in you. Their theory was that those positive emotions that you're getting from the setting you're in actually can help you solve the problem you're thinking about because those positive emotions affect your problem solving in that you may think of things you didn't before in your office setting. You may have a new perspective on something. So they found a clear interaction between those positive emotions that were invoked by nature and problem solving. And hence, they came up with this idea of emotional intelligence. So who was the first person to kind of commercialize this idea and and bring it out into the the real world space outside of psychology? A guy named Daniel Goleman, who, interestingly enough, he was a science reporter for the New York Times, but also he actually was a trained psychologist with a PhD, I believe, from Harvard. So he had not only the journalism skills from the New York Times job, but he actually had the intellectual training to kind of understand these concepts. What he did was he took the work that the academics had done and he kind of ran with it. He expanded it, brought in his own ideas, and wrote a book called Emotional Intelligence, which became this runaway bestseller translated into many different languages known all over the world now. But it's probably important to note that the book was an expansion of the original ideas. And in fact, every so often you'll see an interview with one of the original academics who sometimes differ and say that some of Goldman's concepts aren't really academically sound. You know, they're they're more than what they came up with. So there's some discrepancies there. But, but Goldman really was the guy who... Uh, popularize this. So some workplaces have obviously paid attention to the work of the psychologist and Goleman's book, and they've incorporated some EQ programs or incentives in their organization. Can you talk about those? Yeah, one of the largest studies of emotional intelligence and work performance involved the U.S. Air Force. And what happened was uh, the Air Force was experiencing a high turnover rate in their recruiters, it actually, the turnover rate hit 50%. So what the Air Force decided to do is implement an initiative where they studied their highest performers and measured the EQ skills of the highest performers. And as it happens in the study, the top EQ skills of the top performers included self-awareness, assertiveness, empathy, optimism, and problem solving, all um, important emotional intelligence skills. Knowing that, the Air Force then assessed for these qualities when they hired new recruiters. The idea being, okay, our most successful recruiters have these qualities. Let's test and people who are candidates to be new recruiters, see if they have the qualities. When they started doing this, their recruiter retention rate increased to 92%. And so it was so successful that the U.S. Secretary of Defense called for other branches of the armed forces to use the same assessment procedures. 
And you also wrote about how a company sort of tested their employees and used it as a study to, to show how higher EQ can actually increase productivity. Yeah. In the private sector, the company L'Oreal, they used an assessment process, whereas they would only hire salespeople with high emotional intelligence. And once they started assessing along those lines and hiring people with high EQ, they reported, the company reported that the initiative increased company sales by two and a half million. Wow. So there's the proof in the pudding right there. How did you choose the sources that you did for your story? Did you look just for managers? or did they have any particular experience in this topic? Tell us more about that. Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I wanted a variety of sources. And so I first went to a source I've used before, James Abruzzo. He works as an executive recruiter, but his thing, two things, he's co-chair of the Ethical Leadership Institute at Rutgers University, but also he's actually certified in emotional intelligence. There are now EQ certification programs and he is certified. So he's kind of an expert along those lines. Then I wanted people in the industry in the trenches. So I talked to two CSOs, Clint Hilbert and Hart Brown. And they're both real sharp guys, sharp executives who are familiar with these concepts and kind of understand how they play out in the workplace. So they were able to speak to the issue from the trenches. When you're a manager, when you're hiring people, when you're working with people, how does EQ play in? And then I got a few other experts too, Kathy Norris, who also was certified with EQ to kind of round things out. So the format of your story is is neat. You break it down into three pretty big areas when it comes to EQ. Can you talk about those three just briefly? Absolutely. Self-awareness is, as James Abruvo gave us a great example of a female executive he knew who, very smart, very accomplished, had the tendency to talk a lot. And he coached her uh, to be aware of this, but she still struggles with that self-awareness. So she went into an interview, she was qualified for the job, but was asked a question and answered it for about 20-25 minutes. And uh, after about 20 minutes, basically the interview had to cut her off and she didn't get the job. So a a good illustration to be aware of maybe what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what you have to work on. Social cues, just be aware of all those different factors. Empathy, um, which is kind of related to that, is uh, really comes into play with managers because, you know, managers are often um, directing employees. They kind of say yay or nay for certain requests employees have. So it's really important for managers to realize this, you know, that employees have a life outside of work, that they maybe have, you know, different concerns in terms of their family, in terms of time off they need, in terms of work-life balance. And, you know, managers need to have empathy to realize that these things are important. These things should be a consideration when managers are making decisions. So empathy very much key for uh, managers. Self-control is a, is a very big factor too. And that's because in any workplace, 
People have different personalities. People have different levels of, of impulse control, frankly. And so, you know, disagreements, if you're not careful, can turn heated or even personal. And so a strong sense of self-control, uh, very important, again, especially for managers and executives, if they feel they're being challenged, that they don't lash out and attack somebody verbally, if they don't get into back and forth, you know, shouting matches, they're able to, even if they feel uncomfortable, even if they feel that something's happening that's not right. They have the control, they control their own emotions, and they deal with things kind of calmly and purposefully. So when it comes to hiring managers, actually there have the opportunity to seek out maybe somebody with a higher EQ. So how can they evaluate that during the pre-employment process? That's a really good question. And what managers say, and for my story, Clint Tilbert and Hart Brown, they were especially good on this because they're CSOs and managers. They talk about during the interview, make sure the candidate discusses not only, you know, technical capabilities and interests and stuff like that, but experiences, things they've done in past situations where maybe they used emotional intelligence, how they handled situations, not just how they demonstrated technical expertise, but how they dealt with human interactions, how they dealt with gauging and assessing people they had to work with. So there was there's very much situational factors Right, like questions such as if you were working and you saw somebody steal something, what? how did you react? Exactly, and pay attention to how did they react, how did they deal with it, how do they discuss how they react and dealt with it because how they discuss these things goes to their self-awareness. It goes to their empathy. You know, did they realize that they were dealing with people who it was an uncomfortable situation for all involved? How self-absorbed do they seem? All these things, there are a lot of different cues. Clint Hilbert gave a great example where he said, I sometimes ask about embarrassing moments. What's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done in front of a boss or some fellow employee? And then, as he said, you listen closely to the answer and think about, was this event that the candidate's talking about, was it caused by the candidate? Did the candidate take ownership of the event? Or did he or she just blame everybody else? Are they willing to kind of concede mistakes? How do they deal with things like embarrassment, awkwardness, things like that? The responses they had during the situation. So so all these can be very valuable. Clint Hilbert said, you know, it's actually his favorite question during an interview because you just never know what's going to be said and what you can learn from it. Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks, Holly.